0: I'm Adam Holland, and this is Band Forever. Welcome back. It's been a while since the last episode, so it's good to be back here talking to everybody. Today I have another great and interesting guest, Joseph Morag. And Joseph comes from the world of classical music, something I'm interested in and wanted to learn more about. And I was intrigued by his story and his career and his balance between music and technology and how he's combined both of those, to really form his musical career. It's a cool story, and it's also cool how I know Joseph. Let's jump in. Welcome, everybody. I'm here with a A great guest and an interesting guest today, Joseph Morag. Say hello, Joseph, to my audience out there.
1: Everyone, it's great to be here.
0: And I always start off by letting people know how I know my guest. I know Joseph because his mom is my eye doctor. How about that? So a little bit different. And I've known her for probably, I'd say, close to 15, even 20 years. And I've, you know, when you share each other's, how's, how's the family, how are the kids? I've learned of Joseph's life. And his impressive career through the years. And recently it just it became even more interesting as he's developed some software that is music related and how he handles his career and his business. So I wonder I thought he'd be a great candidate for band forever. And his background is much different than most of my guests. He comes from the world of orchestral music, classical music, he's a violinist and a conductor. And just it's a great story of how he balances his career and i think i hit the marks there right
1: yeah i think i think that's all that's all right (laughs)
0: What I do now is, Joseph, this is the part where I I do the Adam Holland, this is your life at high speed. Uh. And then I I jump into the the details of your career and my usual question. All right. So Joseph is uh, born and raised in New York City. And he went to LaGuardia High School for music and arts, which is a sophisticated place right off the bat. And he went to Columbia for undergrad, where he studied physics. And he also studied with New York Youth Symphony. So he was already doing, you know, music and education side by side. In 217, he started to conduct and was the musical director of the Columbia New Opera Workshop. And in 219 he attended the Montreux Festival for Conducting. He also has a master's degree from NYU, where he wrote a thesis on open strings, which is his program which generates violin fingerings from sheet music. Is that correct? Am I saying that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: And he's also currently a software engineer. And Joseph has appeared as a soloist, as a, as a first of all, he's a master violinist and conductor. Let's get that in there, if I didn't already say that. And he's appeared with the Vancouver Symphony, the Columbia University Orchestra, the Empire Chamber Orchestra, the New York yeah. Youth Symphony, the National Orchestral Institute, and he currently plays with the Chelsea Symphony, the Montclair Orchestra, and Symphoria. And he also does various conducting gigs as for hire. And he's a young guy, and it's an impressive career. And he balances his computer skills and programming and supplements that with his musical life. And it really allows him to pick and choose the, the, the gigs that he does. And uh, again, it's an impressive impressive roster. So, all right. How did I do that? Did I leave anything out? No, I mean that—that's—that's that's more than enough. Yeah. Cool. All right. So now as we say we take a breath, and we jump in. <laughs> So I always start off with, at what age did you know music, that music was it, there was no turning back?
1: So yeah, uh, the apocryphal uh, story, and if you ask my mom, she'll confirm this, is that <laughs> is that when I was born, she, she counted all my fingers, made sure that I had 10, right, and then said right off the bat that he's going to be a violinist. Now, wow. I obviously don't remember this, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I don't really actually have that many memories before playing the violin. I think I started when I was around three and a half. Uh, My mom took me to one of these mommy and me music classes and I didn't give back their violin. Wow. And then, yeah, and then I was doing like group classes in Suzuki, um, which is, I don't know, it's it's this Japanese system that involves mostly like uh, training kids to like listen to music not to read music first, but to just play it by ear, right? Um, and then only later do you start reading. Like so, it tries to mimic, I guess, actually how most non-classical musicians learn music, and then also how most like children learn language.
0: Wow! So, but right away, so obviously, from really, really early on, was not even a question. This was this is what was happening. It wasn't one of those things you had a moment later in your teenage years. It was literally since you know the age of three, you were in it.
1: Yeah, I think it's, just, it's pretty common to do that in classical music just because the, the instruments are so hard, especially like you know, string instruments. Um, and so you have to you know, start contorting your body to hold the violin at a super young age so that it becomes comfortable later in life. Right. I, and then I, I was just kind of playing throughout elementary school and high school and I, I guess I never stopped.
0: My understanding, and, to, and correct me if I'm wrong, to be a professional classical musician like yourself it the discipline is different than just like a normal rock musician or so you know who even two three hours a day of practice is a lot for that world your practice regimen is like massive is that correct and when and if so when did that really start to kick in that long practice
1: routine Mm -hmm. well i i always say that i've never i never practiced enough um And I I certainly have some friends who, like growing up, did the five, seven, eight hours of grueling, grueling, grueling uh, regimen. I mean, you know, certainly I I practiced a lot. Um,
0: What's a lot? Give me what? How many hours is a lot? Well, so
1: I guess you know when I was most kids, you start out, you do, you get, you know, eventually you acclimate to doing one a day, then two a day, then, then three to four. Um, for me, I never really practiced more than four a day. I think.
0: What What age were you practicing four hours a day?
1: Mm,
0: probably sixth, seventh grade. Right. That's that's a lot. It's, that's most. Than, that's more yeah. than most traditional kids doing like sports and other regular music. That's a lot. You're already taking on a tremendous discipline, which is what it takes if you want to continue in this field. So that's that's why I want to yeah. bring that up because most fields. It's almost like professional athletes, Olympic athletes. They there's a certain age they're already starting to know, like they're doing whether it's gymnastics, skiing, or swimming. There's a, there's a certain routine that's happening way earlier than average people who are just doing it, maybe professionally, but not at that level. So I, that's why I bring that up because I think it's an impressive thing. And actually, your mom used to tell me about that. And I was like, "Holy shit, that's that's crazy." So I really kind of learned. You know, I would learn of, of this through her, and I always was like, "Wow, that's." And she would explain to me that that's sort of like what you just said there. She's like, "He doesn't think he practices enough because there are kids practicing like six, seven, eight, which is like uh, just insane." So I, that's why I wanted to bring that up. I'm, it's impressive, and I want people to understand what it takes to be in this field at that level. And it just it's it's impressive and it's crazy in a good way. You know, I mean that in the best way, not, mm-hmm. in, a, not in a crazy bad way. So. So, yeah,
1: I I will say that I I didn't actually have this discipline myself. You know, for for a while growing up, it was definitely my mom needed to make me practice.
0: <laughs> that's another question. That's a good point. Yeah. So was it someone saying do this, or did you have self discipline? But you also must have. I mean, no one's going to make you practice that many hours a day if you don't really have the passion. You, am I
1: right? Would you agree with that? So yeah, the the way it went was that if I didn't want to practice a certain day, my mom would say. Oh, okay then we'll just send the violin back and then i was immediately like, no 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 no. Okay, wow. okay i'm gonna go practice that's tough I um, that. I was, yeah i think sure. she tried this on my sister and my sister just said yeah okay yeah take it back and so then we knew that she wasn't gonna <laughs> well, do I, right
0: well sure. i guess that that's maybe that's a good way to test to see i guess so but either way it worked so i guess and it, you seem to enjoy it. it doesn't it wasn't an unhappy thing it seemed that it was an enjoyable process mm-hmm. so i mean that's yeah. what appears to me I, it's clearly paid off What was it like getting like your first, like, as a violinist before you got into conducting? What was it like getting those mm-hmm. first? I don't know what you call it, a job, a seat. What, what's the term that you call it?
1: In my music world, I call it a gig. Yeah. So I guess my first like really good orchestra that I stayed with for a really long time was the New York Philharmonic. Um, and this this is like a really weird group because it goes from you can be anywhere from twelve to twenty two. Right. and in, in the group um, so yeah when I was 12 I auditioned and got in and I was sitting in like the back of this humongous violin section Right, and, and it was the first time like the conductor showed up and said hello hello welcome everybody we're gonna start right now with a Baba Yaga from Pictures and Exhibition by Mu and we did it like immediately as fast as possible like at the performance tempo and like I you know I hadn't practiced the part enough before getting there, and it was just like it totally it took us all for it, or at least me. I was like unprepared and not ready and terrified.
0: Right. Well, also um, you're 12 years old. That's like holy crap. Yeah. So let's just put that out there. You're 12. But what? That, so whether you're 12 or you're you're 22, you you obviously qualified to get this seat, and now you go there. You're right. The guy doesn't even say hello. Let's nice to see you. Let's hear you play. It's like. Let's one, two, three, click, click, boom, let's go. And you're like, holy mm-hmm. shit, what the hell just happened? You're off in the races. And
1: what was that like? What was that feeling like the first time that happened? It, yeah, I mean, it was it's super scary. <laughs> and I, I think, you know, a lot of people like growing up, you get, especially when you're sitting in an orchestra and you haven't, you know, had the 50 year career and have played everything before. So when you're playing everything for the first time. Right it's kind of like a battle, like, don't get lost, don't get lost. I really don't want to, like, stop playing and put my violin down for everyone to see that I don't know what I'm doing.
0: Right, and now when you're playing in that big a group, and, but do you think he did that on purpose? Because, like, here, you, obviously, it's, it's a youth orchestra. It's the first time you're there. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of saying, hey, let's, like, warm up, just, like, jump. Is it sort of a test, you think? Like, why? why do you think he did that?
1: I think it was a really great learning experience to kind of drill into us that, you should practice your part before you get there. Okay. Like, I mean, all all professionals know this, but when when you're 12, you maybe don't know this.
0: Okay. So it was a a good, like, it was a serious wake up, I guess. Yeah. So then, obviously, you're 12 years old playing in this orchestra. And then did it, that experience really must have honed your skills as far as playing in Mm -hmm. this large orchestral group?
1: Yeah, I I think so. Because it's like... The quality of that orchestra is is really, really high. And so the fact that I got to start when I was twelve and then I ever really moved away from from the city where we rehearsed meant that I stayed there for like ten years.
0: That's amazing. and that's that 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 um, yeah, did that set you up for the future? like I mean for other because well, now once you went to other, places and, and sat in that you know within other orchestras you would you knew what to expect what it's like to be with a conductor what it's like to be in this massive group of people and and not disrupt it and keep it actually be a part of it right it's it, being in unison with the yeah spirit. absolutely impressive yeah right?
1: so uh eventually i worked i worked through the violin section and was the concert master i think when i was 17
0: now for those um, for those who don't know what that is myself included what does that mean being the concert master
1: yeah so when, when you go to an orchestra concert there's usually a uh, violinist who walks out on stage uh, takes a little bow and turns to the orchestra and stands there while they tune um, and so the concert master is formally like the head of the violin section I see but the violin section is is usually the biggest section in the orchestra right. so it works out that the concert master is kind of like the de facto leader of the orchestral musician. And that's
0: impressive that you rose to that level. In an average violin section, what's the range of how many amount
1: of violins? You can have anywhere from like seven or eight So there's usually two violin sections. Uh, There are the first violins and the second violins. But uh, in each section, there's usually, it can be from seven to eight to like 15. Wow. 15 is like a really big section.
0: And how many, and what's an average orchestra? What's what's the range of of a full orchestra? How many pieces?
1: So like a a symphony orchestra, you you can have like a pretty small classical orchestra that Mm -hmm. plays like a lot of Mozart. Right. You know, Haydn symphonies with 30, mm, 40 people. And then, like, you know, there are some later romantic Mahler pieces that require, right. like, you know, 12 horns and right that gets the orchestra up to 80, 100 people.
0: It's amazing. Like, again, because for my world, you know, five or six people is a lot keeping everybody in sync. So mm-hmm. that's why I wanted my audience to hear these numbers because sitting in a group of that many people in perfect synchronization is just seriously it's hard to kind of comprehend. So it's in, it's really, the skill level is just different than what, you know, in like the, again, even the sophisticated world of high end, the music I come from, you know, what you're doing is just a different level of discipline and skill and, and, and precision. It's, it's, it's truly impressive. So that's why I'm asking those questions. I want to give the, give the audience the understanding of what it is that, you know, how big this group is. And, and then also why I want to bring that up is, when you segue into conducting this group of people, which is also leading, mm-hmm. besides being in this group and being part of the synchronized act, leading that act is another, you know, incredible task. And so, like at this point in your life now, you know, seventeen, eighteen, had you started to consider conducting? Like, what 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 made the, you want to do that, and what was the transition?
1: period and what what happened what was that like right so i think i I had like taken some conducting week-long side class at a music festival once Mm -hmm. um in high school but i hadn't people really don't tend to start conducting until around their early 20s and then orchestra musicians at least in professional groups tend to not take conductors that seriously until they're uh, 60 right so th- this
0: is right. kind of, uh, that's I, yeah. exactly another reason why i'm bringing it up you're, are you are you a young conductor i would say you are right probably right
1: yeah yeah i mean yeah so the rule is that every conductor is young until they're 65 <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: there <you> go. Good <laughs> that's funny well, that's good. Yeah. Right. So you're right, but you have, but you have to start. You have to do it. You have to somehow start to do it to get the experience to build up to it. So that exactly you have, to, you have to jump in the water. There's no way around it. But just do it. Mm-hmm. So you decided yeah. to do that. And what what was it like the first time you stood in front of the the orchestra and you know you were in charge? What
1: was that like? It's it's super overwhelming. I think um th- there's just so many pieces you have to work on. And because you're not making like any sound yourself, right. it, you, the, the natural instinct for a lot of people starting out is to just kind of like let the orchestra take over. And orchestras are, are tend to be like, but good orchestras are very good at just taking over and kind of ignoring you if they want to. Okay. Um, and so then for a while, it's like, uh, you're kind of standing there waving your hands around, not doing anything. And eventually once you've like figured yourself out and you know the music really well, then maybe they start looking at you.
0: So and, uh, let, let me ask this question too, for my own knowledge. Now, when does a conductor always conduct the same orchestra or do you like come in and conduct different orchestras? Like how does that, is it, are they always a pair or they, or, or a team I should say, or are they, is it like one orchestra will play with multiple, you know, conductors or how, how does that work?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So, so like, a, a youth symphony tends to have, like, a conductor. Right. Um, so, in the New York Youth Symphony, we had, I think, our conductors were on five-year contracts. I see. They would, you know, conduct for five years, and then mm-hmm. a new person would come and conduct for five years. Something like the mm-hmm. New York Philharmonic is going to have tons of guest conductors. Right. Um, there's, like, one principal music director, mm-hmm. and then, but he, the music director will conduct usually... Uh, you know, 10, 10 20% of I concerts see. during the year, and then everyone. Right. And then when a guest, guest conductor will do the rest of it.
0: And when a guest conductor steps in, like, example, when you go in and do these conducting, um, mm-hmm. I don't want to call I keep using the word gig, but I, I'm not sure the right No, we, we use that word too. Okay. <laughs> so we, we, just, when <laughs> you go and do this gig and you, you step in front of an orchestra, is there a get to know you period? Do you practice? Like, what, what's the, what is it like?
1: so usually you you'll get uh, two two or three maybe four you know depending on the group You right. symphonies rehearse a lot more than adults do right um, but yeah you you you'll get for for like a standard guest conducting week at a professional orchestra you'll get usually three three rehearsals and then the concerts right so the first the first time you meet the orchestra is going to be during the first rehearsal
0: right and then like like you mentioned a minute ago, like which is, I guess makes a lot of sense. Most of the times, these orchestras are pretty tight knit group, and they're a pretty well oiled machine already. So, like you said, they mm-hmm. they're they could technically probably just do it with no one conducting. But but the conductor, what does the conductor add to the group?
1: That yeah, that's 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 the real <laughs> the real question. Um, so you, you add like you know theoretically you add your your interpretation quote unquote of the piece like. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I conduct Beethoven Five, some people like to slow down at the end of the first movement, and some people just go straight. And so the conductor decides that kind of stuff. Um, so that the musicians are watching
0: the conductor to see what he's going to do and how he's going to do it, and and, mm-hmm. and what he'll and will the will the conductor like tell you this ahead of time, or just do it? Like what? How is there like a meeting, or is it just like here? Um, it just happens. Like what, how does it work? So
1: the the highest level you want to you you strive as a conductor to be able to just show everything with your hands, and then you know if you were totally perfect at your job, then you could theoretically just show up at the concert, right? You know, assuming that the orchestra already already knew the piece, and then kind of just show you everything with your hands, and then you know everyone go home. Uh, So that's the the perfect version.
0: That is how I. You know, think it goes, but I know that's not
1: really correct, but... It's, right, right. You know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, in reality, you, you show up for the first rehearsal. Um, most people will try and just run the thing first, and then, you know, if it falls apart, it falls apart. Um, <laughs> okay. But, yeah, then you you basically try and run it and then hit some... If it's, like, a really super well-known piece and the orchestra knows it, you can, you can get away with just running it, hitting right. some spots.
0: right is there some element to having like, like what you just said, running it and like seeing what happens? Is there some sort of like, you know, there's an energy to that. Is that something they do on purpose? Uh, yeah.
1: I mean, so at least from, from an orchestral music, musician perspective, like someone playing in the orchestra, um, I'm sure, you know, rock people too, like everyone likes to, to play. Right. No one like really loves someone to talk to them. And to, like, go over a certain spot, like, 50 times in a row. Right. That's, like, not very fun. Okay. Uh, So, I mean, I don't think in rock music there's, like, you guys really have some kind of consultant come from outside to...
0: That's why I'm asking these questions. I guess when you're doing a record, there is a record producer who does do that. Right. But when you're, like, performing, usually the band is just, like, it's, like, self-governed. This is, like, a different thing where the producer is... With them in this live performance, like the conductor is like the producer. It's fascinating to me. And I appreciate you sharing your wisdom of the field. How do you start to develop? into the world of you're a coder, you're a programmer, and you've developed mm-hmm. this really cool app. Like How how does that all sort of come into play, and what age does that start to happen for you?
1: Sure, yeah. So uh, I took... Uh, so in, in undergrad, I was studying physics, um, and this was kind of like I had wanted to find some kind of science-y type thing mm-hmm. that could... Uh, go with music and I think a lot of people say that physics and music go really well together um, and I, I don't know if I believe that as much as I believe that there's a lot of people who happen to be good at both of those things <laughs> um, but the and I, I always thought I kind of wanted to have some kind of like cool application of physics to to music and while those Do exist in kind of like, you know, acoustics research, designing concert halls, designing fancier speakers. Um, It's a lot of that kind of stuff. Whereas I was more interested in like improving like the experience of a person sitting in an orchestra and reading off of sheet music.
0: Understood. Um, So was this the time you had the initial spark and idea for your app, Open Strings? It sounds like this was when that happened.
1: Yeah. So I think. Um. I, I so I took my first programming course in college sophomore year, and then junior year, my my girlfriend got me into like more serious, like take this difficult, make a server type class. Right. Um. And then so by then I was pretty far in the physics major, and I thought I might as well just finish that. Right. Um. So I, I just wound up taking like a bunch of other computer courses. Right. But uh, yeah, I think summer of my junior year, I was at this uh, m- classical music like orchestra festival. It was the Montau Festival, which, which you mentioned in, in the brief bio.
0: Montau or Montreux? I think I mispronounced it earlier. Mon- Montau. Okay, Montau. Okay, I, I did pronounce it wrong. Yeah,
1: right? okay. That's okay. It's, we have a whole class in pronouncing it. When we get there. It's a, it's a thing. Okay, good. I feel better now. Thank you.
0: So, uh, don't <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, but yeah. So basically, uh, the idea to make like, it, so I, I had a lot of people asking me like, oh, I don't know how to play this. This passage is really difficult. Uh, what's your fingering? I was like, oh, okay, this is my fingering. Like, I I put one on this note, three on this note. I change, I shift here. I change strings here. Right. Um, you yeah. know, as you you play guitar, I'm sure you, this, this this it's the same problem.
0: And that's a real question. How does and with YouTube, it's like how does someone play that run like what's and by the way 10 different people play it 10 different ways so it's kind of cool you find right. your little you find the happy balance that your hand
1: is used to mm-hmm. yeah and the, yeah so for it's a super you know subjective everyone has their right. own different thing but like you know there's clearly some that are better than others like if you change strings every note then that's i mean at least on violin like you really don't want to do that a guitar it might be a little easier right.
0: same thing you want it ergonomic is you know
1: yeah and so especially for something like really fast and you want to be able to play it without killing your hands you want like there there's variation but like there's clearly like a class of fingerings that's better than some other fingerings um yeah so and i I had a violin teacher at the time who was really good at making up fingerings and i kind of learned how to you know as a human make them from him and i figured like okay i I have this like vague idea of what kind of rules go into making violin fingerings. Like I wonder if I could throw it in a computer and have the computer spit them out for you.
0: Wow. That's pretty well. Um, What a great concept. So again, there was the combination of the science and your music. There it was, mm -hmm. but that was the initial fusing of the two. mm -hmm. Awesome. this point you're in the music world you're in this already professionally doing what you're doing with orchestras starting to conduct and the seed comes for some type of software to help you know combine the music and and this physics education and this coding where it all sort of starts to come together what's the next piece of this
1: yeah so i like my senior year of college i tried to do this is like a year-long side project and it turns out that i i didn't really know enough about programming and, and just to get over the initial hump of like, okay, how, how do I actually make this now right. that I, I want to do this? The 2018, 19 season, I kind of took off and did some orchestra auditions and played in a bunch of gigs, like just did a bunch of gigs in the city. And I had like, you know, asked people in the orchestras I was playing and like, oh, would you you know use this? Is this a thing that you'd want to have like a website? You can just go upload some fingerings. And they're like, oh yeah, absolutely. That'd be super great.
0: Oh, that's cool. So you had, were kind of doing some market research as you were going along because mm-hmm. you, you had the you had the audience in front of you. So that's cool. So did that give yeah, you Yeah, so and then so I, for, for
1: me personally, like I work best when I have like some pretty uh, reasonable like a uh, set deadlines and structure, yeah. Right.
0: I I agree with that 100%. Yeah. Nothing gets things done like a deadline. I happen to agree with
1: that. So, so yeah, for that so I I enrolled in the music technology degree program at NYU just so I and I, I hadn't, like, you know, at that point set in stone, like, I will do this as my thesis, but I had a pretty good idea that I was like, I have this project that I really want to do. Right. And this is a great environment, you know.
0: Perfect to learn it and do it as your project. Therefore, mm-hmm. hopefully at, at the end, which is what yeah. happened, it comes out and you have this thing, which is. Yeah,
1: and that's a good how it wound up working out. So, I mean, I took a bunch of like extra programming courses to kind of learn about stuff. And then. Um, right. Yeah, so a lot of the challenge actually wound up being that sheet music is the super, like, weird, arcane format that we've kind of been developing as a society for several hundred years.
0: So true. It, it, it
1: has its purpose, but like even for, like, modern music, it's like no one's even
0: looking at it, yeah. you know, but... So go yeah, and on. even, like, you know,
1: super experimental classical contemporary stuff, people, like, make up tons of new notation all the time. And
0: right. Understood. Yeah. So
1: at the end of your
0: master's degree there, you had this thing, OpenString, was that developed? That was yeah. it, and now it's up and running?
1: Yeah, you can you can go check it out at uh, Open, there's a dash in it because someone owns OpenStrings without a dash, oh, but it's a... A open, open-strings.com. And do people, is it something that people pay for? Or is it free? How does it work? No, no, it's free. Yeah. I mean, so I think at some point that I might start like charging for like a super, if you want to infer a super big piece of music, right? With all the fingerings, then, you know, my sur- the, the server that I pay for to run this on is a pretty wimpy machine. <laughs> right. And it'll, it'll probably time out if you... Understood. Is your goal to carry that
0: forward and develop it even further and expand it now that it exists?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm kind of like, the, the master's was, like, a ton of work, and I, I've taken, like, a small step back from it right now, but... Right, to breathe a little bit, understand right. Yeah, I think definitely at some point I want to maybe talk to some, uh, like, school districts about it, because I think for kids it'd be really, really useful to have. I think it'd be
0: phenomenal. I think you're right. I think, by the way, you could apply it to other instruments besides the violin. Yeah. Why not guitar? Why not any stringed instrument really could... Could have that application, which is great. And so I think you're right. It's not only the sophisticated player who is really what you designed it for, mm-hmm. but how about the, the beginner player, maybe even more helpful? It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, and that's actually a good segue to talk about how, like, the actual thing works. So once you've, like, read the sheet music into the computer in a form that it understands, which is already, like, honestly, 50% of the effort was was just that. Right, Um, interpreting,
0: getting the data in there.
1: Yeah. Um, But, yeah, once that's done and you have this, like, representation that you can actually use, what it does is that it has a bunch of, like, uh, rules that, it, it looks at every, you know, step, step, like sequence of two notes in a row and a note can be like a chord or just mm-hmm. a single note and says, okay, so if I were to put, you know, one on the first note and three on the second note, I, um, you know, the G string and the D string, how, uh, how expensive would that be? Right. Um, or like, is this going to be like on the same string? Is this going to be a shift? Is this going to be a stretch? Mm-hmm. Uh, is this going to cross, you know, three strings? What just a bunch of those kinds of rules. And then right. in the in the user interface for this thing, every rule has a name and you can just drag like a sliding bar that says, you know, how much do I, how expensive do I think this rule is for like my personal hand?
0: I see. So you can put like a skill level. Is that kind of what that is? Like, is that what you're saying?
1: It's more of like a preference level. So like uh, okay. a lot of violinists don't like using their, their pinkies for mm-hmm. like really high notes or just ever for long notes. So there's a rule that says pinky um, and you can like drag that bar in a, you know, to say that, Oh, using the pinky is like really bad. Don't do it. Why is that just the size of the fretboard? It's yeah. It's a question of like, it's hard to do vibrato with the, it's harder for some people to do vibrato with the pinky. Um, You know, I, I, I think that you should use the pinky because otherwise you might as well chop it off and only have three fingers, but that's,
0: by the way, it applies to guitar too. There are yeah. some guys I see them never use their pinky. I'm like, oh my God, you're wasting so much. Incredible. Right, exactly. So like, yeah, but, I, you know. I, I agree with you that
1: everyone should use their pinkies,
0: but like it's <laughs> going <gonna be laughs> to be hard to. But some, some people don't some want to use people. them and
1: they
0: should have. Listen, the, no. again, there are guys who don't use it playing uh, virtuoso level. So who am I to say what's right or wrong? There's no, yeah. there's no right or wrong. It's preference. I understand. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's and, so and that's cool. that's why it's like hard to have like the algorithm that gives you the optimal finger. But if you tell right. the algorithm like, "Oh, I like such and such hand positions," then it can.
0: That's help amazing. You. I can see it being useful in multiple instruments. Any string instrument with a fretboard, it really could be, you know, applied, which is awesome. And then let's talk about, also, you are a, a software engineer. Let's mm-hmm. Throw that in there. That's you know, another aspect of your of the circle of your whole life here, which all these things combine to lead you to your music. But talk about a little bit about your software engineering.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, so during this gap year, 2018-19, uh, after I took orchestra auditions, I did this program called the Recurse Center, mm-hmm. which is like a little mini retreat for, for programmers. Um right. And yeah, basically, yeah, it was just like a place to spend six, uh, 12 weeks programming, mm-hmm. working on some side projects and getting to know other people. Um, and then the way that they make money is that they refer you to other companies. Right. So yeah, a few months. You become a,
0: a consultant for, is that what it is? Like an independent contractor almost kind of thing?
1: It's more like they just, uh, when other companies are looking to hire full-time engineers, they instead of just like holding a totally open application around. Oh, they
0: pluck from this known source yeah, of exactly. qualified people. Okay. That's great. So my question is, how does it all work together? And let me ask the question a little bit differently. Does being a software engineer allow you to sort of work when you want to, therefore you can do both and choose when you're doing each one?
1: Yeah. So my, the company I wound up working for was remote even before the pandemic. Um, and we had like, right. you know, my, the guy that I work with the most on this one project was in Australia. So the, like the hours are totally screwed up. Right. There you go. <laughs> so like, I think we, we overlap like, you know, six to whenever I, 6 PM my time, uh, Eastern coast to, right. to whenever I go to bed. So right if, on days that we need to have meetings, that's when we have them. And then
0: I've actually Done a few lessons with someone in Australia, and I think at ten o'clock in the morning is the time where it overlaps somehow. That's like the, and it's like he's we're day apart though, but
1: it does work somehow. Yeah, exactly. So it's like you know uh, the, the and musician schedules are also super weird. So like, right. Uh, so. Whenever we and, and you know I I got really lucky that my company is very flexible with like we don't have very many meetings and. It's like for, for work, it's like you need to accomplish such and such, and such task, and you can do it, you know, whatever you want as long as it's done within two weeks.
0: That's the perfect musician, you know, supplemental job. When you get it done, it's up to you. So, therefore, if you have a show or you have something to do, you don't have to be sitting at a meeting and say, Oh, I can't do this yeah. now, which is great. And do they know that you're a professional musician?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they actually use it to hire other people. They're like, Look, we have a professional violinists working for us.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you have to hide being a musician because it's like, hey, that's like keep your personal life out of the business. But there are some times when being this musician enhances your business life. So that's why I asked that question. It enhances yours, which is great. Yeah. And to me, I think what's so cool, and I'm going to kind of tie this all together, to me, why I think you're a great candidate for this podcast is my podcast is based upon musicians who are either have been working or are working, and this is your life, And you figure out how to make it work. And you have done that. And I think it's so cool. You're in the early stages of your life, which is incredible. So it's super impressive that you have your musical career going and at a professional level, not only as a violinist, but as a conductor. And you have this incredible engineering job and develop this app, which ties engineering programming into music. And they all sort of, work together and it's, it's, it's impressive and I think that is to me it, I think having this other source of income in addition to music allows you to make the choices that are better for you and therefore mm-hmm. it just takes the pressure it, the whole thing can be more enjoyable and that to me is really a successful musician it's just a wonderful thing so I'm impressed by it and I, it's a great story and I, I think it's just a good maybe a lesson for other people younger who are coming up and you know People ask me a lot, "What advice would you give me?" I'm like, find something that supplements your art. You know, there's always a, there's multiple things that happen as a musician. You listen. If you're lucky, you have whether it's in classical music or it's in pop music, you have you're a famous musician and you make millions and millions of dollars. That, of course, is the A plan. But reality mm-hmm. is, it may not be the A plan. But you can still be a successful musician. But you find things, jobs that supplement and help. You know, allow you to be this artist and you have successfully done that. So it's awesome. There
1: you go. Hats off to you. Thank you. And I think I'd actually add to that, like, for me, it's important for, and I know this is not really maybe possible for, for everyone, but I think it's great if you, it's the supplemental job uh, that you wind up finding is something that maybe, you know, you don't love as much as music because it's music. But like, I, I really like programming. Right, I, and I, I came to programming because like it was cool, and I wanted to learn it. And then, oh yes, also it happens to be you know more maybe more stable employment than music. But
0: no question, it is. But that's great. But it also allows you the freedom of time—not mm-hmm. nine to five, and I have to be somewhere. To check into this board meeting. You're like here, get it done. I don't care when you do it. That is the ultimate musician job, mm-hmm. and it pays well. And mm-hmm. and you've taken it and combined it into music, making this your Open Strings program, which really. I think is going to really be your future for you and combining everything. I think that's going to be a tremendous platform going forward. I think that's just, I think that just is it. You've hit the tip of the iceberg there. That's that's my opinion, at least. So,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm super excited to, to work on that more and kind of, you know, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not the best marketer in the world and I could do, you know, more, more promotion, but, but yeah, just getting it to more people. <laughs> Right. Well, it's
0: brand new. And so far, your audience is just the people you're working with. But eventually, mm-hmm. like you said, the schools, you're only just launched it. So I think that you will find those people and they'll maybe people will come to you. You know, that's how it works. People will gravitate. Mm-hmm. Maybe someone will hear this podcast and say, Oh, my God, I got to get involved in that. So you know, you know, but I mean, that's how yeah. it works. You never I mean, you just don't know how these things move forward. So. Well, listen, I thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. I, I have learned a lot, and I think my audience will have obviously done the same. And it's it's cool to learn about different types of music and especially someone like yourself who's mastered multiple careers, all allowing you to be the musician that you are, which is, I think that's, 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 that's impressive to me. So there you go. Yeah, well, yeah,
1: thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely hope everyone enjoys the podcast yeah i think they will this is a different topic
0: for all but that's what you know we're here for to expand and learn as opposed to not just repeat the same story so it's 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 great so thank you man all
1: right yeah
0: have a have a great day you too man thank you so much for your time i appreciate it awesome yeah thank you so much for having me this is great Thanks, thanks for doing it awesome man appreciate it there you go. What a cool story. He's a smart guy, a talented guy, a nice guy, and a young guy who seems to have it figured out and has a great career now and obviously a strong career ahead of him. I learned a lot and I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. And as always, thank you for tuning in, following us, the comments. It keeps us going and I appreciate it so much. I'll see you next time. I'm Ben Forever. We'll I'm right oh,